and it begins with verse 7. Ephesians 4 and 7, it says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So grace is, uh, speaks of what God does for you, what God gives to you, what God makes of you that you don't deserve, that you haven't earned. And so grace and gift go hand in glove. Grace and gift go hand in glove. And notice that each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of of Christ's gift as opposed to what other form of measurement, uh, as opposed to according to what you and I earned or deserved or were worthy of receiving. It wasn't according to the counsel of our own will. It wasn't according to any contract that we negotiated uh, on our behalf with God, but it was according, again, to Christ's gift. And therefore he says, quoting from Psalm 68, when Jesus ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So Jesus came to set the captives free and to give gifts to you and me. He came to set the captives free and give gifts to men. First John chapter 3, and I've got more notes here than we're going to have time for today, but the Holy Spirit will lead us. And um, I want to get us started off on the right foot, though. Amen. In other words, I, I want the Holy Spirit to help us get in the right frame of mind uh, as we begin to see what we got for Christmas. Amen. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. That word, behold, is talking about taking a long and thoughtful look. Behold, we might say it this way, you know, check it out. You know, we don't necessarily use that word behold, but what he's saying here is, is, is similar to what you would see in places in the Old Testament, that word uh, silah, uh, and that, that word means to pause and think about it. We sometimes rush through things without really spending the time to meditate upon and consider the magnitude of what it is that's been done for us and what it is that God has given to us. We've been preaching on some things on Wednesday night this past year about our fellowship with God and about the price that, that Jesus paid for you and me to be in the position that we're in now uh, in oneness and fellowship with God. And when you consider what it is that God desires to have with you and me, and then you look at what it costs, what it costs, amen, the value, uh, the worth, the, the expense, amen. Have you, have you ever given a gift uh, to someone, Christmas or birthday or what have you? Have you ever given a gift to someone and the, and the recipient of that gift did not really understand or appreciate the gift's cost or value. Maybe it was something that you spent a, a great deal of money on, or maybe it was something that had tremendous sentimental value to you, uh, something that you know, was passed down from generations to your family, what have you, and then maybe you give it to somebody as a, as a wedding gift or some other member of your family, and maybe they're not into the same things that you're into, and, and they don't really appreciate the value or the worth or the cost of that gift. I, th- I think... Whether you've ever participated in that or not, I think we can relate to that, right? Having uh, given someone a gift that maybe they didn't know or understand the value of. Whether or not you've ever uh, been the giver of a gift that you didn't understand the value of, I guarantee you we have definitely received gifts from God that we are yet to understand and fully appreciate the value of these gifts. First John chapter 4, verse 16, it says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Notice 
the phrase, have known and believed the love that God has for us. It's one thing to know about it, it's another thing to believe it. And when he's talking about believing here, he's talking about getting outside of your intellect. He's talking about moving beyond, as we've been talking about on Sunday mornings the last few weeks, beyond your own understanding. See, if you're going to lean on your own understanding when it comes to what you got for Christmas, what's been given to you by your Heavenly Father, then you're not ever going to be able to fully appreciate the value of it or or benefit, uh, enjoy, and experience the things that belong to you as a child of God. And so this is something that, again, requires knowledge. It requires understanding. But then once we begin to hear about these things, we also have to uh, use faith to believe and understand these things. Now, before we build on that point anymore, notice, first of all, that this verse and others reveal God is love. Not, not just has love, not just is loving, but he is love. He is the source of all love. Any love that you have ever experienced in your life came from God as a source. Amen. Apart from, if there's no God, there's no love. There's no concept of love. There's no such thing as love. Amen. So God is love. And we understand also that giving is love's greatest expression. God is love. God is love. And because he is love, God expresses himself by giving. Amen. This, this is who he is, not just something that he does. This is who he is. As a matter of fact, I believe we could trace this all the way back to our very origin. Because God is love, God wanted to express himself, so he created you and me in his image and in his likeness so that he would have objects of his affection to be able to give things to Amen. He loves to give. And God is not only a giver, but we see in Scripture that he gives generously. He gives lavishly. Amen. Now, also to try to set the tone for this before we start working through this gift list that you've received. Amen. I want to take you back to the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, we see that Satan accused God to Adam and Eve Satan accused God to Adam and Eve of holding uh, back from them. You understand what I mean by that? When, when, when he t- tried to tempt them with the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he implied that this was something that was, that was better than anything else that they had and that God was basically keeping the good stuff for himself. Amen. You realize at the heart of all that, and, and there's a lot going on there, but you realize at the heart of all that, that Satan is actually accusing God of being selfish. That God is holding back, that God is keeping from them something for himself that he's not willing to give to them or share with them, let them have, let them experience, let them in on. And of course we see in Psalm 84 and in other places where the Bible's clear, no good thing will God withhold from those who love him and who walk uprightly. God has withheld no good thing from you and me. Amen. That's That's something that you really... The world, religion today will tell you that God's holding back on you. And, and we see who's behind that lie. It started in, in, the, in the garden of the very first temptation where the accusation is that God's got this special reserve of things that he's not willing to let you and me have or experience. It's a false accusation. So Matthew chapter 7 verse 11, Jesus speaking, he says, If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So we enjoy giving gifts this time of year. I know we enjoy receiving gifts, but have you figured out as you get older that the real joy is not in receiving, but it's in, it's in the giving? 
Amen. I, I know that my children and my wife, they have, you know, some gifts for me. My parents have some gifts for me. And I'm excited about that. But let me tell you what I'm most excited about. I am most excited about my family unwrapping the gifts that Pam and I have bought for them. The, the surprise of it, to see their faces light up. And for those of you, you know, if you, if we talk about Christmas being about children, you know, and again, it's, it's the, it's the joy in a child's face when, when you give that child a gift and, and they appreciate it and enjoy it. And, and we get all of this from our Heavenly Father. Those, those things exist in us because we were created in the image and likeness of God. And God is a giver. And when He created you and me in His image and likeness, He created you and me to find this kind of joy in giving. So He says, if you being evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more? How much more will your Father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. So I want us to take some time then this morning to consider the many wonderful things that we've been given by God. And let's, let's go now to Hebrews 11 and 3. I got, a, I got a lot to give you this morning, so I'm kind of working through it quickly. Are you, st- are you keeping up? Amen. I apologize. My voice is a little hoarse this morning. I hope you can hear me clearly. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. So human logic and reasoning will never bring you to an understanding of an uncreated God creating the world with his words. Human reasoning and logic will never ever get you to a point where you understand an uncreated God creating everything that we see, everything that that is visible, everything that we know with our physical senses um, with his words. That's why the Bible says, if you're ever going to understand it, you must understand it by faith. Amen. And the same is true when it comes to understanding all the things God has given to us. Your human logic and your, your human reasoning skills and, and your ability to understand uh, with your own understanding, embrace these things with your own understanding, again, will never get you there. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So <clears throat> when we talk about what God has given to us, you know, we could just simply say anything that's good, anything that's desirable, and at the same time beneficial. Remember now that the, there's, there's joy in, in, in salvation, but then there's pleasures in the flesh. So <clears throat> one translation says every desirable and beneficial gift. So anything that you would desire and have experienced that's beneficial to you and others, it came from God as a source. And so we could just simply, you know, say that this morning, pray and go home. Any, anything good, it came from God. You need to say thank you and you need to be appreciative, right? But obviously we're going to look at some specifics this morning. We're going to look at um, some details. And so the first thing that we see, and I think you probably are, are all, um, you know, with bated breath waiting on me to say this one, okay? The first gift we'll talk about is the gift of his son, the gift of his son. Psalm, um, Isaiah, rather, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. 
upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time for, for, forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. What is he saying here? The zeal, the passion of God, the desire of God, the integrity of God will see this through to completion. And of course, we know that Isaiah was prophesying these things hundreds of years before they ever came to pass. Then, of course, John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. So <clears throat> there's a lot, obviously, to all of these that we could do whole sermon series on. I'm just trying to uh, mention one and then give you a verse or two that support it. But you do realize that we were given, we were given the Son of God. We, again, how do, how, do we, how do we even understand that apart from faith? And how do we certainly receive it apart from faith? There is no other way to receive that, to know and believe, amen, apart from faith. But notice there are other things and and of course, the next one we're going to look at is the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'll comment on this as well with Jesus, the gift of the Son. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. The Holy Spirit is the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, we, we could talk again for weeks just on what it means to have been given the Son. And notice here we see that if we receive the Son, we have received this gift of freedom from condemnation. But there's another angle that I want to take with this, and that is Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Our own understanding tells us that if somebody gives you a really, really, really big gift, that you should be satisfied with that big gift and not really expect anything else. You understand what I mean by that? I mean, like if 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 you asked for um, an iPhone for Christmas and your parents got you a new car, you're probably not going to complain if there's not an iPhone under the tree. Amen. Right? Because it's like, wow, who who would have ever expected that? So now we got this really big gift. And, and protocol should tell us, okay, because we got this really big gift and that means so much and there's so much involved in this, then we're kind of closing the doors for a while. No. What, what he's saying here is that the gift of his son to you and me is father clearly stating that there's nothing else that he will not give. If he spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him now also freely give us all things? Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. It talks about his divine power has given to you and me all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Again, we're seeing this echo that we've been given not just the gift of his son, but now we've been given all things 
that pertain to life and godliness. And perhaps one of the most astounding gifts tucked away in all of this is the gift of His divine nature, which coincides with the gift of sonship and the new birth. Amen. So do you see when we say Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving, it's just gift after gift after gift after gift. All right. Now, I'm going to assume that you're just deeply pondering and meditating on these things as opposed to thinking about all the last minute things you have to do before uh, Christmas morning. Amen. You still with me? Amen. You're kind of silent on me. Amen. Yeah. Okay. I want you to get stirred up about this now. I want you to get excited about this. All right. So we've already mentioned this next gift, and that's the gift of his Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 11, verse 13, he says, If you being evil know how to give good, good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In John 14, Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you, notice how many times we find in this word give, give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Wow. Again, understanding by faith. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 has an important tie-in here. <clears throat> now we have received, and talk about what you got for Christmas. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Do you see the connection there? If he spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not now with Jesus seated at his own right hand, not freely give to you and me um, uh, all things? And so he gave us the gift of his Holy Spirit so that with the Holy Spirit's help, we can begin to understand and recognize and lay hold of all the things, all the gifts that Father has given to you and me. And he's withheld, come on now, no good thing from us. The gift of the Holy Spirit, like Jesus, is the gift that keeps on giving. We see that with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we have the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, making alive our physical bodies. With the Holy Spirit inside of us, we now have the capacity to produce and bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. With the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we now have the capacity to function in the nine supernatural operations of God's Spirit. With the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we know that He is now the earnest. Because remember Jesus said, when He comes, I'll give Him to you. He will be in you forever. Amen. He's with you now, but will be in you. And when He's in you, He'll be in you forever. And when he's referred to, the Holy Spirit's referred to as the earnest of our salvation, it's like in a real estate contract, you put down earnest money to signify your intentions of following through on, and, and completing the contract, right? Anybody ever written an earnest money check? You understand what I mean by that? So you're going to buy a house and you put a contract on the house and with that contract, you write a check for $500 and that goes with the contract. And what you're saying to that seller that if you back out on the contract, they get to keep your $500. It's earnest money. It's proof 
that you're going to see it through to the end. He who began a good work in you and me will be faithful to complete it under the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so what did he do? When he gave you the Holy Spirit, he said the Holy Spirit's going to be in you forever. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave you when you make a mistake. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave you when you commit a sin. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave you when you go somewhere you've got no business being. He goes with you and it grieves him. And that's why as born again believers, we're miserable when we sin because the Holy Spirit inside of us is grieved when we do. But he doesn't depart from you. He's the down payment. He's the earnest of your salvation. Amen. What does that mean, the earnest? It means Father God put his Holy Spirit in you to confirm that what he started in you, he will see it through all the way to the end, no matter what happens. Mm -mm -mm. When we received the Holy Spirit, we received a seal. Our born again spirit was sealed by the Holy Spirit. When we received the Holy Spirit, we received a helper. We received a guide who can guide us through life and to Father's place for you and me in this life. I'm talking about what you got for Christmas now. You got the gift of eternal salvation. Now, I can I talk to you for a minute? Praise God. We talked about this on Wednesday. Now, I want to, I want to bring it up here as well. And you're going you're gonna to hear more and more of this in the days ahead as well, okay? We often talk about a pastor or a preacher of the word being bold when they are bold about sin. Tell it, pastor, tell it, you know. And so, especially if you we, if we preach on sexual sin as identified in the word of God, then that means in a lot of people's eyes, you're a really bold preacher of the word. I'm not disagreeing with that. But I believe even more bold than that is a preacher that's bold enough to preach what the Bible says about eternal salvation. Come on. (laughs) Amen. See, pastors, listen to me now, pastors have shepherd's hearts. And the heart of a shepherd is to help and to serve and to lead and to minister to. Okay? Never, and there are times when I'm preaching that that if I'm not careful, I'll say something. I'll think, oh man, I hope I didn't offend anybody. And it's not because I'm, I'm worried about what somebody would think about me. I'm, I'm actually concerned about speaking the truth in love so that you can receive the truth and that truth make you free and set you free, right? And so in the same way, when you start boldly proclaiming eternal salvation, not everybody agrees with that, right? Just like not everybody agrees that homosexuality is a sin, okay? Are you following me? Well, pastor, you know, so, you know, so if you're bold, you preach what the Bible says and let the chips fall where they may. Praise God. All right. Well, okay. Then let's take that same boldness to what Jesus did for you and me by one offering of himself. He became one sacrifice for all sin, for all people, for all time. He didn't come to forgive sin. He came to take it away. And the only way he could take it away is if he paid the past payments, the present payments, and every future payment. If you get behind on your mortgage and somebody comes and pays, uh, you know, three or four payments you got behind and they get you current. Thank God for them, but you still have a mortgage. It has not been taken away. The only way to take the mortgage away is to pay the past due payments, the current payment, and every future payment. 
And if that's done, then the, then the mortgage can be taken away. And it's no longer a factor or an issue in your life unless you maintain a mortgage mindset and mortgage consciousness. Well, that's what Jesus did. He didn't come to forgive sin. He came to take it away. And he did it by paying for every sin, for every human being, forever. Mm, I get stirred up about that. Well, amen. The gift of eternal salvation. See, Satan is the one who never wants you to know where you stand with God. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, it says, And having been perfected, talking about Jesus, he became the author of temporary salvation for all who obey him. Is that what it says? It says eternal salvation. I didn't write this. Now, if something is eternal, and boy, the Lord's been teaching me about this here of late. If something is eternal, it means more than continuing forever. It means more than continuing without end. If something is eternal, it means it goes on forever and it cannot be changed. It cannot be reversed. It cannot be paused. It cannot be put on hold. Your membership at Planet Fitness can lapse if you forget to make the payment. But your salvation cannot lapse because you're not making the payments. Jesus already made all the payments. I'm being bold this morning if you hadn't figured that out. Man, sweet Jesus. All right, let's keep going here. Ephesians 2. I'm going to read all nine of these verses. Is it okay? We're just just doing the word this morning. Let the word speak for itself. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, 9. He says, and you he made alive. We're talking about the gift of eternal salvation. You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. We weren't, we weren't sick. We weren't spiritually ill. Jesus didn't come to give us a spiritual healing. We were dead. We didn't need reviving. We needed resurrecting. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good again. He came to make dead people live again. He came to give us life. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Now, I want you to pay close attention. Sons of disobedience, children of wrath. We are the offspring of sin. We were born of the corrupted seed of Adam. He's not, I'm not saying you haven't sinned. I'm not saying that I haven't. But that wasn't, it wasn't your sin that made you a sinner any more than it was your obedience that made you righteous. It was Adam's sin that made you a sinner. It was Jesus' obedience that made you and me and his gift of eternal salvation that made us right with God in the eyes of God. Look at this, verse 4. But God who's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Sounds like the object of his affection, right? The apple of his eye. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift. Come on now. It's the gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. It's not based upon what you did to earn or deserve. It's based upon what Jesus did and then what he gave to you and me. Not of works, lest any one should boast. Now, we could teach for weeks in this one passage. This, I believe, is the most comprehensive yet, at the same time, condensed explanation of the gift of salvation that we find in all the Word of God. 
because it talks about our having been dead. But what? We were raised up together with Christ in newness of life. And then it talks about us sitting, sitting, seated together with him in the heavenly places. And, and over the years as I've taught this now in our 20th year of discipleship class, we spend about two and a half hours on this passage right here. We break it down, okay? But what we see, of course, is that we died with Christ according to the Scriptures. We were buried with Him according to the Scriptures. We were raised up together with Him according to the Scriptures. And we are now seated together with Him in the heavenly places according to the Scriptures. And there's a name for this doctrine. It's called salvation. This is what it means to be saved. This is what it means to be saved. Again, the cost, the value of this gift goes beyond our human intellect. As a matter of fact, the gift of eternal salvation is actually four gifts in one. It's four gifts in one. The first gift of eternal salvation is the gift of propitiation. I'm talking about what you got for Christmas. You got propitiation for Christmas and didn't even know it. Amen. Amen. It's you. It's what he gave. It's what he did for you. It's what he gave to you. What is propitiation? Propitiation means to absorb the wrath of God for our sin. First John chapter two, verse two. First John chapter four, verse ten. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You got propitiation for Christmas. Jesus came. To absorb the wrath and punishment that you deserved and that I deserved so that we would not have to be punished. That's why the Bible says if you've believed in Jesus, there's no condemnation. He didn't come to condemn the world. He could have. He actually lived uh, 33 years on this earth as a man without sin. Took away every excuse we ever had to stand before God one day and say nobody did it. It's impossible. No, Jesus did it. So it was possible. But he didn't come to do that. He didn't come to play that card. He came to do it and then give credit and reward to you and me for having done it ourselves. What a gift. What an indescribable gift. I'm talking about what you got for Christmas. You got the gift of redemption. It's one of the four eternal salvation gifts, okay? The gift of redemption. Redemption means payment made for the release of a slave or prisoner. Jesus made the payment. And notice it says Hebrews 9 and 12, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. If redemption is the payment made for the release of a slave or prisoner, by the way, we were both slaves to sin and imprisoned by it. Amen. And the only way we can be released, it's one thing for Jesus to take the blame and the punishment and absorb the wrath Okay, But now we're still slaves and we're still held prisoner to sin. So what did he do? He paid the ransom. He paid the debt in full forever. Are you seeing this? Eternal salvation is only possible if there is an eternal payment for sin. That will never expire. Praise God, I want to do a lot of teaching there. Come on Wednesday nights. We're talking about these things a lot on Wednesday nights. All right. So the next thing you got, one of the four eternal salvation gifts, is the gift of righteousness, also known as justification. This is the gift where he made you innocent. Literally means just as if I had never sinned. 
Now, we've got lots of verses on this, Romans 5 and 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the, there it is the word, that word is again, gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The next gift that you got for Christmas was the gift of reconciliation slash unbroken fellowship with God. To be reconciled to God means to be established in oneness and fellowship with God. Wow. There's so many verses that relate to this. But here's one from Romans chapter 6, verse, verses 10 and 11 from the Amplified. For by the death he died, Jesus died to sin, ending his relation to it once for all. And the life that he lives, he is living to God in unbroken fellowship with him. Even so, consider yourselves also dead to sin and your relation to sin broken, but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with Him in Christ Jesus. Well, let me run through the remainder of this list, all right? We've got the gift of new birth and sonship. And we find this in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. It says, As many as received him, to them he gave. To them he gave. Did he give it to everybody? He made it available for everybody. But only those who received him, only those who received Jesus, are the ones that he's able now to give the right, the power, the ability to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of God, but who were born of God. Are you seeing this? Who were born of God. Well, if you're young, this may not mean a whole lot to you right now, but we've been given the gift of eternal life. What a gift. What a gift. What a gift. I don't know, maybe maybe we'll run into one another in heaven, you know, eight, nine hundred years from now. Man, still enjoying that gift of eternal life. Wow. You know, we take this one for granted, but the gift of faith. The Bible says God has given to every person the measure of faith. Now, the gift of faith is something that God gives you. What you do with it, just like the rest of these gifts, what you do with it becomes your gift back to Him. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So I like to describe faith in different ways. Think of faith as a muscle. The more you work it, the more you exercise it, the stronger it becomes. How about the gift of eternal inheritance? Hebrews 9 and 15, it says, And for this reason he is the mediator of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. This is an inheritance from God that, watch this now, that will never end and cannot be changed, stopped, or reversed. That's huge. That's huge. Romans 8 and 17 says that we're heirs of God and joint heirs together with Jesus. How about this one? The gift of rest. The gift of rest, Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me and I'll give all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll do what? I will give 
you rest. See, we're trying to find some way to cope with life, some way to get a break, some way to detach or disconnect or decompress or unwind. And man, when you start looking in the things of the flesh for those answers, you are setting yourself up and making yourself so vulnerable for the lies of the enemy. True rest is available to you and me, and it is a gift that is given to us and received from God by faith. Now brace yourself. The gift of God's kingdom. Now, if he was ever going to withhold something from you and me, if he was ever going to keep something for himself that he didn't give to you and me, you would think maybe this is it. No. Matter of fact, not only has he given you his kingdom, he says, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you. I'm talking about a generous giver up in here this morning. I'm talking about God who has not withheld any good thing from you. Nothing more precious to him than his son. When he gave you his son, he said, listen, if I would give him to you and give him for you, he didn't just give him to us. He gave him for us, right? Everything else is yours. Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. (laughs) Man, you talk about something that would have freaked out the Old Testament men and women. The gift of his glory. The Bible says God will share his glory with no man. Keep reading. Things change. Things change. John 17, 22. And the glory, Jesus speaking to his father, the glory which you gave me I have given. Given them. That they may be one just as we are one. How about the gift of wisdom? I mean the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives wisdom to all people and will not look down his nose at you for asking, will not uh, chastise you, rebuke you because you should have known. But if you, if you ask him, he gives wisdom to all and he gives it liberally. He gives it generously. Wisdom is the principal thing. According to the Bible, that, that nothing affects the outcomes in your life more than wisdom. And, and, you know, you would think at first, well, maybe faith, because faith is so important. Well, see, he's given you the measure of faith, but if you don't have any wisdom on, on how to use the faith you've been given, then that faith will lay dormant in your life. So wisdom is this principal thing. And the Bible says if you ask, he'll give it. He'll give wisdom. How about the gift of God's peace? Have y'all figured out we could be here until this time tomorrow and not exhaust the list of what you got for Christmas? The gift of God's peace. Jesus said this in John 14 and 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I'm selling to you. Is that what he said? He's selling it. He's giving it. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Because when the world gives, they give with strings attached. The world does something for you and they look at you and say, you owe me one. No strings attached here. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Could we, could we sing, Oh, come let us adore him one more time. Amen. Thank you, Father. It's 1147. We got a few minutes. Amen. I know I kind of went through that list rather quickly with a froggy voice but amen amen Amen. i'm talking about what you got for christmas
doesn't say what God's going to give, what he's going to do. He didn't say, I will give to you. He said, I have given. He didn't say, I'm giving you my spirit so you can know what I want to give you one day. No, so that you might know what has been freely given. If he spared not his only son, delivered him up for us all, how will he not with him also freely give us all things? We made a statement several weeks ago. I'm going to make it again this morning before we pray. The benefits of salvation are freely given, but they're not automatically enjoyed. You've got to first acknowledge what's in you. Amen. And that you can't acknowledge what you have no knowledge of. So I've given you a pretty good head start of what belongs to you as a son or daughter of God. Your heritage is what belongs to you because of who you are. I'm talking about what belongs to you, what's been given to you. Amen. So we have to, we have, to have knowledge of it before we can acknowledge, right, known and believe the love that God has for us. There's a lot of people who know about a God of love, but they don't receive it and believe it for themselves personally. Listen, it's easy to say, and it's correct to say that God so loved the world, but sometimes it's easy to think about him loving somebody else, but, but more challenging for us to believe his love for ourselves. I mean, that he loves, he loves the world and he loves Mark. He loves the world and he loves Ronnie. Amen. Are you seeing the difference here? So, yes, he loves the world and and, and gave his son to the world. But he also knows and loves you. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. The Bible says he gave. Again, we can just keep going on and on. He gave you purpose and grace in Christ Jesus before time began. All this that we're talking about, this goodness of God, the gifts of God, all of these things are things that, that God gave to you and me before Adam ever breathed oxygen in this earth's atmosphere. These were things determined by God. He declares the end from the beginning Cause things that be not as though they were. He wrote it all down and then set it in motion. And then we all went our own way and did our own thing. But thank God, not anymore. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning for the gift of your peace, for the gift of your wisdom. Lord, we could work our way back up this list. But Father, really what it boils down to is the gift of your son. If you had never given us your son, then you could have never given us the Holy Spirit. Nobody calls Jesus Lord, but, but set for by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Lord, that gift of eternal salvation was what Jesus came to buy and pay for and what the Holy Spirit came to lead us and direct us to and into. So many gifts, so many things that we got for Christmas, Lord, years and years ago on that first Christmas morning when Jesus stepped into this world from eternity and made his place here in time and space. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He rubbed shoulders with us. We beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and full of truth. Father, grace and truth that we're still experiencing and enjoying and benefiting from to this day. How good you are to us, Father. Thank you, Lord, for every person listening to me right now who had a good father. I know not everybody necessarily did in this life on this earth a physical father. But, Lord, I thank you for my father, a good father, who gave good gifts to me and, and my family and continues to do so. My mother continued to give good things to, to our family, and I'm thankful for them this morning. Thank you for your healing hand upon them today, Father. But, Lord, whether or not we had uh, outstanding parents, physical, natural parents, Lord, we, we got the best father, our Abba in heaven, who much, much more than the best father that ever lived on this earth 
is a father to us and gives good things to us. Father, if we've ever had the attitude of Adam and Eve that, that you're, you've held something good from us, Lord, forgive us for that. Hopefully, Father, as we've worked through this pretty extensive list this morning, that we'll leave here, if, if with nothing else, an understanding that you're a giver and that you love to give. Father, may, may we appreciate and consider the value and the cost of these items. This isn't just something that you waved your hand over and made it happen, Lord. This is something that you purchased with great cost and expense to yourself so that we could be in the position and place that we're in this morning. Father, maybe one of the the best gifts that, that we can give to you this Christmas is to better understand what you've given to us and be more thankful for it and more determined than ever to not only experience it and enjoy it in our own lives and families, but to help others in this coming new year experience and enjoy it as well. How we love you and how we adore you, Jesus. Amen. Let's sing this before we're dismissed. If you'd like someone to pray with you, these altars are open. I'd be happy to pray with you this morning. But let's worship him one more time before we leave.